0: You bring in a million dollars a year and everyone says, oh, how the hell do you do that? I can actually explain that. That's actually really simple. You're literally just doubling every year. How does it do? You go two, four, uh, eight, 16, 32, 64.
1: Guess what? You're at 128.
0: How I know that now is because we literally did that.
1: Today, I sit down with Curtis Matsko, who is the CEO and founder of Portland Leather Goods. Portland Leather Goods is a nine-figure e-commerce brand who is on track to do $140 million this year. Today, we talk about all things entrepreneurship, business, Portland Leather Goods, and so much more on the podcast. I'm Nikita from aspectagency.com, and let's get into the show. Curtis, it is a pleasure to have you on. I'm gonna be honest with you, it was a reach for me to cold DM you, and I'm glad that you accepted because I'm happy to have you on. You know, I just... uh in the last about five weeks, I have stepped out actually
0: answering people. I've been asked to like speak and do podcasts for years and I've avoided it. And about five weeks ago, I made the determination I was actually going to do it. So it's my phase of saying yes. And you happen to be one of the first people to DM me.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And again, it's a pleasure to have you on and I'm I'm confident that the audience is going to get a lot of value from this podcast. And just to Quickly jump right into everything. What is the current thing that you're working on? I know that you're doing a season of yes to these sort of sorts of things, but aside from that, what are you currently working on, man? So I'm
0: gonna tell you the season of yes for about 30 seconds. Uh, I have been so busy building my ecom companies that it's just all about me, and I've been getting hit by so many people lately who are sitting at my kitchen table, or they're calling me up, or they're asking me for coffee, and they're. They're talking for a half hour before they say, dude, what the hell should I do with my life? And how do I build my company? Where do I do them? What do I do? And I used to not give advice at all. And all of a sudden, they started coming back and it started helping them. So I've decided to try to do this. So I'm going to be very blunt and tell you exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I'm working on a new shoe company called patina.com. Nice. Uh, Launched last June. Uh, We estimate doing about $40 in the first 18 months. And if those numbers, as they seem to be on track right now, we should be getting 80 to a hundred million in 2024 on a startup company
1: that started less than a year ago. I mean, you've already cracked the code with one business. It's cracking the same exact code with a different business pretty much here.
0: Lackly the same. It's it's stunningly the same. Yeah.
1: I'm guessing you never thought of this ever happening, like getting to this point, or was this always a, a determination to get to building a nine figure brand as well as we're just building multiple nine-figure brands essentially no
0: back in 1995 i was dating a young lady there's a little age thing for you and she was uh running the world's first online daily newspaper she was mm. in grad school in journalism in columbia and i would hang out with her till three in the morning and i'd say you know what people should be selling shit on this internet thing she's like oh no but no, you don't want to sell things not netiquette you shouldn't be doing that And so back in the day, I wrote one of the world's first books on internet marketing, built up a pretty big company, sold it out before the big crash in in 2000, 2001, and lost everything. And then I went on a a decade of owning a bar and drinking and traveling around and doing nothing. Then in 2014, my girlfriend had a bad job. And I said, quit your job, and I will start up a $10 million company. She said, what will we sell? And I said, don't worry, I'm a genius. I, I can figure this whole thing out. And we set up Portland Leather Goods just by a little, with a little scrap of leather, doubled it every year, and, and we expect to do about 128 million this year.
1: Yeah, and I can see why a lot of people are reaching out to you, especially with uh, a resume like that of you know having a nine figure brand uh, and surpassing you know a hundred million dollar mark of why they would be asking you for business advice because you know who who's who better else to reach out to other than that? And I can also see your side of things when you said you were more of like a hermit before that, before saying yes all the time?
0: No, never a hermit. I run a number of big companies. I'm literally out every day meeting meetings, people, amazing employees. I live a really full, wonderful life. This is, uh, I'm in Leon, Mexico right now. Nice. My life here. I love my life in Portland. I love some time in Montana on the lake. I mean, I really love my life. And I'm always with people. But generally, those people are doing the same things as me. Yeah, they're not starting their own thing, and they're all well. They work for me, or they're in somehow facet of of that thing. And uh, I started going to just a few conferences to you know speak and do a few things, and I was shocked at how many people were attracted to hearing that. And then I thought, I wish someone had helped me in the last
1: seven years. Got it. So for you, it was more of a a wake up call in regards to like. Because I'm sure everyone struggles with this. It's the imposter syndrome. Like, do people really want to hear what I'm saying? You know. So I'm guessing that kind of switch flipped in your head of like, okay, I guess maybe what I'm saying isn't, you know, BS. No, basically, it's not.
0: No, it's not an imposter thing. I would say it's two things. Number one, I don't think everyone's an entrepreneur. I just don't. I. I I hear people say, you know, I've been working for my boss for 20 years. I do all the work. He makes all the money. Ah, that son of a bitch. He. I need to start my own company. And they're not an entrepreneur. There's somebody who has a bad job. Or you meet the other side who they truly are an entrepreneur. And those are the ones. So number one, I didn't want to give advice because not everyone is me. I've never had a job. (laughs) But I have a bunch of college degrees. I'm a true entrepreneur because no one's stupid enough to hire me. So that would be number one on, on the... The other one is it's not imposter. It seems didactic. It just seems kind of preachy to say, mm-hmm. well, can't just do what I'm doing and you'll be successful too. It seems wrong until you realize, I wish someone had told me that or people did tell me that. They said it in another way and that's what helped me make decisions. From time to time, I can look back at 10 decisions we made in that seven years that made our break. that it was like, you go next level or you stall.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And somebody on the outside of me said, come on, you know you. You know you can do it. Make the damn decision to go forward. So sometimes that's all people need. They don't need all the info. They need someone to say, you can actually do this. And you go into that decision uh, a little bit more confidently. If you've ever read the book, uh, Shoe Dogs, uh, film, film, there's two stories that really come back to me. And they're both. Every night he'd go home and have a drink and call up his dad and ramble about his day. That's the decompression all business people have to go through at the end of the day, right? Absolutely. But two that come down. And one of them was he asked a friend, Hey, I didn't need to get out of this. He flew down and met with somebody. And the only piece of advice the guy said is if you're upfront in your decision, the Japanese will be the best partners you'll ever have. And that got him out of the banking problem. Somebody gave him the confidence to make that huge jump, which was big. The second thing, the big thing that other people who are successful can give you. So if you remember this, he was sitting in the hot tub with a very wealthy yeah. Japanese person, and he's talking about all the problems of his day. And the guy said, look at that that tree. In a year, it will be a foot taller. And sometimes you need people to get you out of the day-to-day and say, this is a long-term thing. You work your ass off day-to-day, but it's it runs out over time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just going through my own entrepreneurial journey, it's usually the people that like Everyone has the information to do what they need to do. It's just that that accelerant that causes people to do what they need to do. And sometimes that job could be that accelerant to push people to be uh, better at their skill set or educating themselves more. Or on the entrepreneurial side, it could be a coach, it could be uh, another business friend, or it could be a podcast like this one to put, make them take that extra action and and push them forward. I do want to go through, I guess, a little bit of the history with Portland Leather Goods what was the turning point for you uh, when it went from, okay, cool, we're running a really successful brand right now. You know, We're growing at a really good rate. Let's hit $100 million. Like, What was that turning point for you? And walk me through that. No,
0: no. And that's it's stupid now to look back on. So I'm going to help everybody out here. Everybody is seven years away from having a, pretty simply about having a $100 million a year return revenue company. It's actually much more simple than you think. You bring in a million dollars a year and everyone says, oh, how the hell do you do that? I can actually explain that. That's actually really simple. You're literally just doubling every year. How does it do? You go two, four, uh, eight, 16, 32, 64. Guess what? You're at 128. How I know that now is because we literally did that. I never thought six years ahead. I always said, we're going to double next year. Mm -hmm. And we went from one to two to four, two, actually closer to six, 15, 32, 64, 120. I mean, it just, it, we did the exact same thing. We just double every single year. And I focused on that. I wish I would have saved myself a lot of problems if I thought three years ahead of time. Yeah. There's spacing and hiring and things that would have been better. But always down, I'm like, wow, did we really go from a single car garage to... You know, 4 million and 8 million and 16. Yes. But it, the math is very simple. Just double every year. It, it's really not that hard, actually.
1: Well, I guess the, the, the difficulty comes into the customer acquisition cost retention, all the other d- detailed intricacies to make sure that everything lines up to that doubling. But at the same time, I do agree with you. It, when you break it down into simple terms and work backwards, it is as simple as just doubling it. You've got to be in the right
0: boat, you got to be in the right elevator. I'll, I'll break this down and it'll help you out a little bit of how this happened. I decided to make a leather journal because I always wanted one. So I walked into a leather store and bought a piece of leather and I went home and I spent hours and days making uh, some le- a leather journal. And I told my girlfriend, we could make $10 million off this idea. And she said, you're an idiot. We started going to art festivals. And that's how we started. We just literally went out to an art festival and put a bunch of leather journals out there. And what shocked me, and it's the same as e-commerce, People would come in, they'd look at it, they'd say, I love this. This is exactly what I wanted. And then they would turn and walk out. And what I got to do is a physical representation of that customer that came and left your site that didn't buy it. I'm like, what the hell? I literally put a tent right in front of where they're going to walk. They picked it up. They looked me in the eyes and told me they loved it. And then they walked out. And the difference between me and every other person who's still selling at those art festivals And how i scaled it up is i got pissed i thought how can i make it so everybody buys really some people it's because of price some people wanted it more expensive some people wanted it personalized then i created that i would set up my tent every time i ever did an art festival and within an hour i would start ripping it down and changing the flow Mm. because i would how that day how people would walk through that there's a metaphor of e-commerce right i'd be hold on, folks, I'm moving the wall. And then I'd sit down, I'd watch. I'm like, wow, now they're all walking in. Now your booth is full. P.T. Barnum said, nothing draws a crowd like a crowd. All of a sudden, we get this big crowd in my booth. I started setting records, 20, 30, $40,000 in a weekend selling our stuff at these art festivals. That turned into my old school e days up. Okay, let's take it to the next level and build that up. But it's the obsession on the rest of that. It, yep. yes, easy for me to say double every year. You better be obsessed on your customer and the buy and the buy path and you better get people to buy. You better get people to buy. You better make a profit or you're screwed.
1: It's funny that you mentioned that because my girlfriend and I were actually doing a lot of art fairs in the Nashville area uh, yep. over the weekend. And we were actually keeping an eye out because we're also working on a startup side business that we plan to take to art fairs as well. And it was interesting to see how many people, they were just like sitting in the back on their phones while people were just walking by looking at things and be like oh okay cool and then you know moving on forward and not enough testing was being done so we kept a keen eye on like what were the best booths why were the best booths and whatnot and it's funny that you mentioned on you know tearing things down or re um restructuring the booth and restructuring it to be the most conversion rate optimized uh yeah i guess if you were to put it that way uh so that everyone bought and um uh, i really i really like that idea and, Like you said, it's very well reflective on what you currently do on the digital side, You know, testing different headlines, different banners, different images, creatives, et cetera, in order to have the best conversion rate possible.
0: Well, here's another,
1: I should write an article on this. This is actually
0: really interesting now that I'm thinking about this. One of my best techniques actually was I would always put two chairs, even if it was me, I'd I'd sit there, I'd leave the back kind of open so I can get out. So I needed so much product, I, I needed to have the back open so that people could sit down next to me and just chat. Yeah, I was really slow in helping people. So I'd get a line of people. Mm -hmm. The FOMO. And if there was nobody in my booth, that's the worst thing. You have to stop them. Got to get them in there. So next time you're at AusFest, we'll walk and say, which booth are getting people in? What are they doing? How are they doing that? I spent a lot of my time walking around, seeing the other booths. I would leave my booth empty. First thing people would say, what if someone steals from me? I'm like, oh no, if you're afraid of losing money, you'll never make money, right? So I would walk around. When I would come back, my booth would be full. People would be saying, I don't know. Where is he? And they would have stacks. I would find people with stacks of money on my chair where people would actually take and leave their money for my product. And what happened? All of a sudden, my booth has 20, 30, 40 people in it. And they're waiting for me. Now I have a line of people I have to help. And all of a sudden, everybody comes to where that group is. I would tell people that. I'd never seen anyone else do that. I would literally just
1: walk off from my booth, and people would want to buy, and they couldn't, so it just created a, a congregation of people. It really does go back to what you mentioned earlier with P.T. Barnum of nothing draws a crowd like a crowd. People see crowds, and they're like, oh, what's going on over there? And then that curiosity drives more and more people to come over there, and it's like a feedback loop of sorts. I was just in
0: Nashville about three months ago at Geek Out, I don't know if you were at Geek out. Do you, know uh, what Geek out is? you were at Geek Out
1: Nashville? Yeah. I must have missed you because uh, my girlfriend and I were actually hosting. Uh, we were helping out. Well, she was hosting, helping out Shaq, and uh, I was all around the, the stage and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I tried to be a little bit quiet. I, I was walking around. I was hanging out in the other rooms. I think I might have, but uh, yeah, I was there. Do you remember that Geek Out rug that was on stage? Yeah. We made that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's our little side <laughs> business. We actually have something called the Nashville proclamation. Cause it was a time for my mark some of my marketing team to get away from our company. Mm. They had a few drinks <laughs> and they sat down and said, What have we learned in Portland leather goods that can be transferred over to Petita? Like, yeah. We're not we're not a a shoe company, we're a marketing company. We're not a leather goods company, we're a marketing company. It is all based on marketing first. How do you market? You can't market, you're screwed. It is had yes argument with somebody, uh a dear person in my company, of uh, person that helps me run most of my company, actually. And I was saying, marketing is more important than the product. Now, the product's got to be great, but oh. marketing's important. She, she's like, no, no, no. You don't understand. There's so much work. And I'm like, I understand it's a lot of work making and manufacturing and logistics. I understand the work. But that anybody can have something made. Marketing it is the key. It is absolutely the end goal of e You have to be good.
1: Without marketing or sales, you really don't have any customers to begin with, and you don't have a product that you can innovate. So I, I can't agree with you one hundred percent more. Like sales is the biggest thing that we focus on. Obviously, you know services have to be good, but uh, other than that, there's really no point in having a business if you can't sell.
0: And you know, and that's one of those things. Let's go back to that art festival. I can't believe we're talking about art festivals. On this I'm night. here for it. What they would do is they would actually somebody would make a product. Yep, yeah, make a piece of art, make some pottery or jewelry. And their friend would say, that's really cool. You used to sell that. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I should, right? Yeah. They took whatever that product is, and they tried to scale it up, and they tried to force it down the throats of the people, saying this is good. And if you don't buy it, you're an idiot. And it's so funny. They would spend hours before lining their product up exactly but they wouldn't put lights on it. They wouldn't take care of flow. They wouldn't do the right pricing. They wouldn't do all of those other things that are truly important to do to sell what those products are. The number of times that I had a huge thing and I would go to an event a couple hours away hours away from Portland, and the first day we would basically sell out and I would drive all night back to Portland just to fill up another truck to take it up for what we were doing. It was It was insane. We got good at it. And it's the same thing. Business is business. If you're good at it, it doesn't matter if it's an art festival and marketing. doesn't matter if it's e-com. It doesn't matter if, you're, if it's cars. I don't care what it is. If you get good at it, you're good at it.
1: Well, I think it goes back to the point because most of the people that are there are artists first rather than business people. They're artists first, business people second. And when it comes to making business decisions like marketing or making sure that they have the best display or they have the best decoration, the best pricing, quality, et cetera, it all goes back to, I made this. I'm proud of it. You know, I stand by this artwork and, you know, by all me, this great. But when it comes to actually building a business around, you know, that piece of clay, the jewelry, whatever you're selling, it gets hard for them to scale it up because they don't have those same exact business principles.
0: And I'm going to tell you this. They actually sabotage themselves. Talk to them and they'll say, I love making my product. I don't like selling it. Yes. <laughs> they'll fuck themselves into this sucks. For me, literally... I had to have make product all week long, right? Like, watch any stupid TV show on a big screen that just yep. loops. Like, I think I watched 11, would never watch it other than making product, but like 11 seasons of Stargate, right? Yeah. So you just turn it on and that thing just plays on. Same story, just loops in while you're actually working. What was more fun than on a beautiful fall day, going sitting for three days in a tent, having... Thousands of people come in and saying, you're awesome. Here's a bunch of money. That's what I like. Yep. I like getting up in the morning and, and I'm kind of like the Matrix. I can turn on our various Shopify platforms and by the time of the day and the season and the feel, I can mentally guess where we're going to be that day and I can kind of like get that. You know, on, on the Matrix, they have those things to just follow mm-hmm. down and the computers are like, Jimmy's running up the stairs. Like yeah. I can get this feel by something's off. Something is off in ad spend, something is off in products, something weird has happened just by the slightest variations of the day or the hour or the season that things are going. And we can adjust because of that, but it's a feel. And it's the same thing about feeling when you're sitting in an art festival is how do I subtly make a change? It gets all these people to come in here, view my product, want to do it, and give me the money. It's the same damn thing.
1: It goes back to the same point of whether you, do you want to be right or rich? And a lot of these artists want to be right rather than rich, and you know that's what I I personally like to you know go back to as well. Whenever it comes to a hard decision or a challenge, it's like, okay, cool, uh, this you know is working. Should I continue doing it? And it's like, okay, will it make me more money? All right, let's let's keep doing it. Well, without any repercussions, of course. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the last questions I did want to cover here, and again, it's it's pleasure to have you on. You probably faced a lot of challenges in your career. Like, what would be the biggest challenge you faced so far? And like, how did you overcome that? Wow, in business. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you got a lot, but I guess what's the top of mind more?
0: I've gotten better at noticing red flags. I used to believe all people are good. They can do what I need to do. And especially as I told you, I had some drinking in the middle there and I stopped 11 years ago. And you want to help everybody. But when you're talking your business partners, and your chief financial officer and your marketing team and your customer service, if there's a bunch of red flags or one or two, do them and yourself a favor and pass and go find somebody better. I can look back and there's two types of mistakes I've made recently in the last maybe five years. One is I knew I was right, but I didn't want to seem like I was pressing it on everybody, so I delayed making the decision too long you still have to make hard decisions in business. I knew it was right, but I tried to get everybody on board rather than just making the decision. I should have just made the decision. Yes. That, that one's hard. And the other side is knowing that something's wrong, but you want it to be true. <laughs> you all, That red flag was just you feeling off that day. And then six months later, you're like, how much time and stress and money and energy that I just went with my gut?" It's trusting yourself that good people will generate good results and that good people with a lot of flaws will create a lot of problems for you in the long run. It's it's about a people. It's about relationships. It's one of the reasons I, I'm doing these, uh, the podcasts and I'm doing more speaking and more of this is I get to meet some really awesome
1: people and uh, we can always use more better people in our lives. It's important- For like to find those red flags, and I think just as entrepreneurs ourselves, we're very optimistic by nature. You're looking at things glass half full because you want things to work out, and you know it's all about risks and rewards. And you want obviously you're looking for the reward. That's why you're doing all the risk. And when it comes to either working with people, agencies, uh, whatever it is, you want to be proven wrong because you have more faith in other people than maybe sometimes yourself. And well said. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. and When it comes to red flags, like, is there anything specific that you look for in people? Because obviously over the years, you've gotten really good at judging, but, I would, say. Yeah, I would tell somebody, I've been in over 5,000
0: interviews in my lifetime. And interview with me is really unlike any interview. You, I mean, I am talking quick. I'm throwing things at you unexpected. I don't want the, I have a passion and I believe in this and I will work hard and I will... Blah 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 blah. I want to find out who you are. If you're a fast thinker, if you and there's not one specific thing, and you can't even explain it. But I usually do those interviews. Uh, when I do it in the United States, I do it with a young lady named Anna. When I do them here in Mexico, I do it with a woman named Adriana, and they're amazing. They're they big, big vice presidents in my company. They do amazing things, but they have a gauge of is this person just something wrong women have a really good days if somebody's just a little off that guys won't always see and we can see things that they don't always see i believe that no somebody can fool one of us very very few people can fool both of us right and by fool i mean they're not lying about who they are but but i mean fool into our expectations of who they could be compared to what the reality of who they are. Because what you need is you need five superstars in, in your in your business. You literally need five superstars. I'm sure you know what Price's Law is, right? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, The square root of the total number is uh, the people who do 50% of the work. So if you have 10 people, 3% are doing all the work. If you have 100 people, you got 10 people who are doing all the work. If you got 1,000 people... 30 of those people are doing 50% of the work. They better be the right ones and you better hold on to them because it scales up. Incompetence and mediocrity, that's exponential. That just grows like crazy. But you don't always find those awesome stability people and you have to have them. I, I've got to tell you this. I have 10 people in my company who I trust more with my life and my money than I trust
1: myself. Mm. I literally are that good at people
0: and, boy, well, that makes your life awesome.
1: It's very hard to find those people, but once you do find them, I try to—I personally try to keep them on as as long as possible. Because without those people, you know, you don't have anything, uh, you, or you you can't build anything great. Because you don't know if you're always looking for someone to stab you in the back, then you don't have a comfortable working environment. I mean, you're done.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you've got to be optimistic about the world, but you also got to be good about it. And I'll tell you this: in finding those people, uh, if you're a marketing company, you're marketing. Exactly. It's so funny how my HR person is like, we're not getting the people. And I said, can I see the ad you're putting out? I'm like, oh my God, you came in off an ad I wrote. She's like, oh yeah, it was so funny. It was so interesting. I had to apply. And then when I came in, it was so awesome and so fun. I'm like, then why are you putting out boring ads for people on Indeed? Right? Exactly. It's marketing. Can you get in front of a lot of people so that you get a lot of people coming? Can you trim it down and get the right person? And you've got to sell them that this is I'll tell you, the number one thing I've been doing lately in every interview at the end, I say, "My job here is to scare you, but if you do this job right, this is a life-changing job. Like you will do things in one and two years that will blow your mind that you can't even conceive of. So if you're thinking about a1,000 dollars or 5,000 dollars right now in pay or anything else, you're not the employee we want. We want someone who's going to see that we're going to run a $200 million, $300, $400 million company very, very soon. And that's going to be a ride that you're going to learn so much. You're going to take that with you the rest of your life. Not just the experience, but everything about working with this company. And when they get excited, you got to. Yep. If you get scared, then you let them go and work for another
1: company. That's actually a really good bullshit meter. You know, I'm gonna have to try that out next time I'm interviewing someone for sure.
0: We, I, I literally
1: had a young lady, and
0: she said, and she's wonderful. She, she came on and she actually said, uh, you know, I'm getting married and it's a little bit of a pay cut, but I really love this job and I love this company. And I said, if I told you, you could do this job, no pay for three months, you would be an idiot not to take it because I'm literally gonna blow your mind in what you're going to do. And she now runs a social media team of 11 with a ginormous budget, she has a new list of 15 of the craziest things to do for social media all over the country for this year. And it took her a week before she said, oh my gosh, I get it. I see what you were talking about. Yeah. But you, they have to walk through the door with an attitude. You can't do that for them. You have to say, there's a challenge. It's going to suck, but you're going to be a lot better. Are you up for that? And if they get scared, you have just saved so many hours of human resource and money and training and every other yep, company you're
1: going to have. Absolutely. And I think that's the perfect note to end on with this podcast. Curtis, it's oh, it's a pleasure oh, to oh, have man.
0: you. Man. I apologize about that.
1: No, these things, when they're fun, they run quick. So, I mean, this the time just like that for me. But what's the best place for people to find you? You know
0: what? I just went on to LinkedIn. Uh, it's, I think that's how you DM me. Is yep. that not... Yeah, Yeah, LinkedIn. Just Curtis Matsko on LinkedIn. And I'm still fresh enough and still saying yes enough on there that uh, people can still get across to me. Uh, My emails and everything else go to my my personal assistant. So uh,
1: it's probably the only way to directly to get a hold of me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, it's also a pleasure to talk to your assistant. She's great. Thanks again for coming on. And uh, I'll see you in the next one. Good luck to you and your girlfriend. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us on the scaling e-commerce podcast. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, remember to like subscribe and leave a review. It really helps out with the algorithm. If you want email marketing tip delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis from yours truly, then check out the link below or in the show notes to subscribe and join my newsletter. If you're a D2C brand with at least 10,000 email subscribers, and interested in starting a conversation to work together, then go to aspectagency.com and we'd love to chat with you. And if you want to stay up to date with anything email and SMS, just follow me on Twitter at Nikita Vakrushev or check the show notes for the link. With that said, I'm Nikita and I'll see you in the next one.